Oh, new board. Chuck. Chuck. What? Chuck, we're live. We're on. Live what? We're, we're on. We're rolling. On where? Right now. You mean the show? Midweek fix. We're right. not doing the show this week. You're doing right now. No, we, no, we not. For real? I was just getting started with my game. Hey, hey, how you doing? Welcome to Cross Politic. I'm the Chocolate Knox, and I'm by myself. No Gabe or Toby. You know why? Because we're on a break, Neil. We're supposed to be vacationing, Neil. I'm supposed to be having a baby. Well, not me. My wife. She's supposed to be having. I should be there right now instead of playing the game. So I'm going to make this quick. So... <clears throat> Toby's on vacation. I don't know what Gabe's doing. He's doing Gabe stuff. So what we're going to do this week, we're going to drop you into some of our club content. If you're a Fight Laugh Feast club member, you already know that there's great content back there. So this is just a um, not getting bored with tasting it again kind of thing. You know what I mean? But before I get to that, I want to say, are you coming to the conference October 1st through 3rd in Nashville, Tennessee, the Fight Laugh Feast conference? Feast. Fight, laugh, feast conference plus tax. And we hope to see you out there. If you're a club member, you get a discount on this conference. Bring your whole family out. We're going to be singing psalms. we got speakers like Doug Wilson, Glenn Sunshine, George Grant. Man, he's a hidden treasure. As well as who... Um, did I say Doug Wilson? Oh, Toby's going to be preaching. And, um, and Rod Martin, who is a futurist. Guys, there's some other guests. I can't say their name yet. But it's going to be amazing. So we hope to see you out there October 1st through 3rd. The conference is still on. All right. So hope to see you out there October 1st through 3rd. So now we're going to introduce you to a segment that we call Pastors in Politics. Again, if you're a Fight Laffy's Club member, which you should be, you already know this is a great segment. We have this one. We also have another one with um, George Grant is with Pastors in Politics. We have one with, oh, he's going to get so mad at me because I forgot his name. C.R. Wiley. <laughs> Maybe I need to sign up for the club membership, but we're going to do it. So there's a, we have like four episodes. We also have one with Pastor Roger Skeppel out in Georgia. These are great, great segments just with pastors talking about how the impact of the gospel and their ministry actually affects and engages politics. But this particular episode is one of my favorites, and we want to give part of this to you. It's about 30 minutes or so that we're going to give to you out of about an hour, hour, 20-minute show. So enjoy it, and if you're not a club member, sign up for a club membership right now while you're watching this. So do you, in your book or just in your reading and understanding, is that, I mean, did you see the same thing in terms of, like, uh, these men who are leading the charge that are preaching, um, you know, the defiance of tyrants? Yeah. And saying Romans 13 means obey God, and wherever the king is being tyrannical, defy him. Yeah, exactly. Um, is, is, is that a direct result of having a clean conscience before God? Mm. I, I think it is. It, these men believed that the king, with the help of parliament, had betrayed the charters, the, the English constitution, everything. They believed that they had become immoral and unlawful. Yeah. And in some of the sermons that I have in my book, of course, they're clips of the sermons sure. because they're so long. Uh, you hear these guys actually saying the moment that the king is unlawful, he himself has become a tyrant and is no longer uh, worthy of submission to Christians and just, you know, lawful thinking and acting people. Mm. So they believed that in Romans 13, Paul lines out. That the government that is a minister of God punishes the evildoer and rewards the doer of good. Right. Mm -hmm. But when the government begins to do the opposite, which by then 
the Crown mm-hmm. and the Parliament were doing. They were passing any law. In fact, they they eventually repealed some of the more egregious taxes, but then they came back around and said, but we can do anything we want to do to you through taxation or whatever, and it won't even apply to us in England. And these guys said, my gosh, mm-hmm. this is intolerable, these intolerable acts. Mm-hmm. And so finally they said, look, you guys are immoral. We would more – because these were Englishmen. See, many of these people in the right. colonies were yeah. Englishmen. Right. Yeah. They didn't want to go against their heritage, right. but they felt like they were being lied to and deceived and betrayed, and, and they believed that they had no other alternative, and they believed under God they had a responsibility to put down tyrants and put people in their places who would honor God's word and the principle of truth and justice. And so that's and what when they you, were doing. When you resi- this is a key point. When you resist a tyrant, especially in the English context and the American to- context, res- uh, when you resist a tyrant, you're submitting to God. But when that's you exactly right. But when you resist a tyrant, you are also submitting to the Constitution. The Ameri- right. the Americans exactly. were submitting to the British Constitution. Mm. So yes. so they were uh, being lawful. They they were the conservatives. And For, the thing yep. they they wanted to conserve was the English Constitution. And Edmund Burke, who was opposed to the French Revolution from day one, yeah. he saw what was coming. He saw how radical it was. Right. Yeah. Edmund Burke was opposed to the French Revolution from day one, but he supported the Americans. He said the American Revolution yeah. was was a lawful revolution. Because mm. if I got if I got a tax bill, I'm a resident of Idaho. If I got a tax bill from the legislature of North Carolina, I'd round file it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. throw it away, I'd burn it up, I'd throw it away. Yeah. Sure. And if they pressed the point on me, yeah. and somebody said, "Hey, you need to pay that bill from North Carolina," I'd say, "No, Romans 13." They're, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, well, well, if I could add, the, the very first seal for the new country, the the, the new United States, yeah. uh, proposed by uh, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, and a few others. Yeah said around the circle, rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. Now it was not approved. It was yeah, it was not it was not approved by by the Congress then. But that's what these framers actually believed that if you rebelled against a tyrant, you were actually keeping the law. You were you were living under the rule of law that the tyrant was not. Okay, so, uh, so let me ask this question. Um that's fascinating. First of all, you kind of blow my mind. But one of the things that Ben Shapiro transvestite. I know. I was questions running through my head. Three questions running through. New York's been this way a long time. They're still living in the past, right? Was John MacArthur went on Ben Shapiro and talked about this? It kind of blew up a while ago, not too long ago. And he said the revolution was unbiblical. Yeah. And, and I think he's and, wrong. And yeah. And, and, but the thing about it is one of the questions that he brought up is how can they be consistent with scripture when even in the scripture, you see Paul telling people to submit to an unlawful government and people who are wicked. So then how are those like Romans? For yeah, like Romans. The Roman Empire. So no, how, how no wait, they, wait, 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 wait. It's really important. Paul yeah. wrote Romans 13 in the first part of Nero's reign. There you go. And ne- he wasn't a tyrant yet. He wasn't a tyrant then. Oh. He was, uh, That's Nero, a few years later. A few years later, what Nero, uh, Seneca, Seneca was a uh, the that, advisor That was to his Nero, advisor, and he was still there. And he and Seneca had his foot on the brake, and Nero, right. Nero was behaving himself. Wow. <laughs> and it was, it, was five golden, it was five golden years. And he was favorable to Christians at that point. Well, he, well, he was not hostile. He was not persecuted. He was neutral. Yeah. He, yeah. He was, they yeah. weren't being persecuted. So or that, like that it didn't happen. Um, so Paul saw trouble coming. Yes. Right? He, he was aware that trouble was coming. But at the moment, 
Rome was not tyrannical. Rome was not persecuting Christians. Okay. And so you can't just plug Romans 13 into any no, time period no. irrelevant of the well, circumstances. Well, okay, think about the Hebrew midwives. Right. Right. They, right, they right, right. blatantly disobey That's Pharaoh's command. I understand. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> but, there, but there are overarching <laughs> principles, you know, oh, that oh, do. Oh, Dan, come on. Your baptism, your baptism, <laughs> you got to be better than that. <laughs> Daniel, yeah, yeah. Daniel praying when he knows he's going against the law. The apostles, New Testament, told, right. shut up. We're going to obey God rather than men. Right. There comes a place. So when you take Romans 13 and you, and you do just what Doug was saying, you take it out of context, you plug it into different periods of history, and you don't know the history, all of a sudden you can make gobbledygook out of it. And, and that's what is happening today in the pulpits and in most churches. They believe if they ever went against the government, let's say the U.S. Supreme Court that says it is completely right under God and law to murder preborn children. Yeah. If they went against that, then they're somehow disobeying God. And see, this is where I part yep. company with John MacArthur as much respect as I have for the Absolutely. man. And I quote him constantly in sure. sermons. Yeah. He's wrong about this. The, Here the, I am, Dan Fisher, think, saying think John, about, John MacArthur. Think about this way. Um, in uh, Corinthians, Paul says when King Aretas, this is the man who wrote Romans 13. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When King Aretas had a warrant out for my arrest, they lowered me in a basket from the city wall. Right. Exactly right. right. So what he said is, let me tell you about the time I ran the roadblock. Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah, exactly right. right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Peter disappears from the book of Acts, a wanted man. Yeah. That's he, exactly uh, right. The, the Lord springs from, from jail. He goes to John Mark's house. house. He checks in, and he says, see you later. The established authorities want to find me, and I am interested in seeing that they do not do so. <laughs> <laughs> but think about that. Sir. Yeah, yeah. So you have to put Romans 13 in that kind of a context, yeah. because there are other passages where Paul also teaches that we should submit. Wives, submit to your husbands. Yeah. Does that mean if the husband says, here's the 45, go rob the liquor store, yeah. she's supposed to do that? Or no. children, submit to your parents. Yeah. Uh, go out on the street and sell drugs to help the family pay for the, the house payment. Yeah. Well, of course not. But that see, that's what unlimited unlimited submission would mean if they're an authority you have to obey them no matter what right. all, so all that's those, ridiculous all through those texts it's always in the lord in, in the, the lord in, in the, the lord, lord which means that there's a higher authority that's constantly checking that's that right. submission and, and so they were submitting to the real authority such, such right. that this is important such that christians ought to live lawful orderly lives such that when push comes to shove and we finally say no we can't go there we can't do that everybody wheels on us and says what? you you yeah, you guys yeah. are, you guys, you're not scofflaws. You've never been scofflaws. Mm, and you're yeah. drawing the line here? Yeah. Exactly so. Because God, requ- God exactly. requires it at this point. Exactly. Mm-hmm. When man's law forces us to disobey God's higher law, we must always opt for God's law. Always. Yeah. So, so then, I, you know, with our forefathers not willing to live under a certain type of tyranny, how mm-hmm. would they then now look at us? And what would be their, their response to us? Squinty eyes. <laughs> they would, they would, we made you? <laughs> I think they would be locking and loading a long time ago. Yeah. I'm not calling for that. Don't misunderstand. But I think there would have been another revolution a long time ago. I mean, can you imagine what, what, what any what, of those men? Wasn't there kind of what there kind of was? The war between the states. Well, there was. There was. (laughs) The war of northern aggression. Can you imagine any of those framers, no matter how you want to argue their relationship to God and Christ, whether they were born again or not, some of them were, some of them weren't. But can you imagine their response to a U.S. Supreme Court that, by the way, was never 
designed to make the kind of judgments it does to begin with. Right, it was right, it's, yeah, it's completely yeah. outside its, it's legislation. Right, 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 right. But can you imagine their response? You can murder preborn children anytime you want, even when they're born accidentally. Well, we'll just make them feel comfortable on this counter until yep. they die, or we decide what to do. Can you imagine what those men would have said? Well, I, I think a lot of people would say, well, they didn't do much during the issue of slavery. Well, but see, that's not true either, because uh. here's the thing. It was against the law in the colonies to free your slaves. When you read the Declaration of Independence, Jefferson and his committee list all their grievances with the king. Mm-hmm. There was one more that was voted down, and they took it out. And you know what that one was? Slavery. The grievance that the king would not let them end slavery. It would have been illegal for Thomas Jefferson or any other slave owner to release their slaves under the English command of the They're law. They're already by breaking the, the law. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I understand, well, I understand <laughs> that. But see, here's the thing. They knew. That if they didn't free themselves from the English crown first, they couldn't even do. They, they couldn't, couldn't do anything. Own, See, yeah. they couldn't foresee like Eli Whitney's cotton gin and the explosion of the cotton industry. They, I believe, fully intended to deal with slavery fairly soon, and then think what well, things came apart on. They were them. still slaves themselves. They were. They were slaves uh-huh. under tyranny, and and it's not that they didn't want to free the slaves. We, but see, we also need to be careful, and, and Doug was right about something. We cannot look at the 18th century through 21st century eyes. We're going to miss a lot, and we're going to misappropriate things, just like we can't take the Bible out of context. So, for instance, in 200 years, there may be a generation that looks back and says, why on earth did you Christians not end that baby killing? Yeah. And right. we're going to say we were doing everything we could do. But it's a little more difficult than just to say it's wrong. Let's end it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's right. the same thing with slavery. Yeah. Right. So I got I, I I'm not trying here. to excuse no, 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 them. No, no, no. Don't misunderstand. No, 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 I, no, you want to chase that down? No, no I, but I'm no. Yes and no, because I feel like the abolitionists are still kind of saying the same thing. Yes, it is. It is that easy. It yeah. is that easy just to do it. No, well, it, it, no. Uh, how easy it was is demonstrated by the fact that you wound up with six hundred thousand people dead. It's exactly in, right in the attempt of to doing, it. doing it. That's right. exactly so, right. So you, it, it, it's it, not it, easy. It's not easy. Right. Six hundred thousand people died mm. in the effort to do this quick thing. That this war, everybody this thought easy thing. Everything mm-hmm. was going to. Yeah. They thought it was going to be over in a few weeks. In a few weeks. Exactly and, right. And it was not. They did. Right. Uh, one time, just a historic. There was this uh, um, a Yankee. Over in England, England was sympathetic to the South because they yeah. had textile factories. And oh, everything. they needed the cotton. They needed yeah. the cotton, and they hated America, and they wanted the Confederacy to, to break up. They, they, yeah, the, they, they wanted opponent. they wanted that too. And <laughs> there was a Yankee trying to raise support for the North over in England. He was speaking to an audience um, of Manchester uh, folks, and he started to get heckled. And yeah, you thought the war was going to be over in a few weeks and uh-huh. yes, it's gone on for years and years. And he said, yeah, yeah, we did miscalculate. We thought it was going to be over real soon, but it turned out we forgot that we would be fighting Americans. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. So, well, Oops. Why, why bring up the Black Road Regiment and bring out all that history if you know that you know, we're not talking about going to battle physically with guns yeah, at this point. Sure, but, you're sure. bring, but that's what they did. That's how they fought. And you said we would have went to war a long time ago. What is the purpose of bringing them up, and what are you expecting to, to, to in, invite now with how we engage? Well, here's how I answer that question, because that is a brilliant question. Well, thank you. The pastors <laughs> were trying. Down rest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We can end this show. The, the, pastors, <laughs> the pastors were actually preaching all of this years before the signing of the declaration declaring our independence and then a war ensues oh, so, they were so trying how, to get this done before start? that 
when the this kind of preaching first start then? Well, I would say during the Great Awakening, many okay. of these guys mm. that are preaching, you go back and look back. at some of their sermons. Oh, okay. You can go all the way back into Jonathan Edwards, and he is the guy. He preached sermons other than sinners in the hands of an angry God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what? Right. That, yeah. Right. I thought and, he did that every Sunday. Well, as wonderful as that was, <laughs> they were already talking about these very same things. Oh. See, they believed that government was God's design, not man's. Yeah. yeah. And therefore, it ought to operate by mm. biblical principle. I'm so sorry, they've say been that preaching this. Amen. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, so the thing is, they were trying to end it before the inevitable happened, the war. They didn't want the war. In fact, I have quotes in the book from pastors saying, we did everything we knew how to do wow. to avoid this. Because they knew how terrible it was. Mm. So, so when Doug says it wasn't easy, it wasn't easy then. Mm-hmm. Never but, is. But decades no. of preaching, you're saying. Yeah, 30, yes. 40, 30, 40 years. This yes. is not on the but web. also keep in mind that their division, our, our divisions are starting to assume the geographical shape. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, red state, blue state. Yes, exactly. the coastal. Coastal. Yeah. It's, starting to, it's starting to assume that, but 40 years ago, it wasn't, no. that wasn't the case. You had no. Republicans and Democrats everywhere. And Great in, the, in, in the Civil War, it was North and South. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. In the um, in the War for Independence, it was this side of the Atlantic, the other side of the Atlantic. Yep. You have definition. Mm. We've had to sort everybody out mm. first. First, yeah. And part of the sorting out has been relocating. If you look at U-Haul yep. prices in California yeah. and U-Haul prices <laughs> in Texas, Texas. Yeah. Oh, exactly. You know, yeah. you know people people are sorting themselves out. Yeah, Lots of people are moving to the Pacific Northwest. Because I've got to get my family out of California. I've yeah. got to get out of here. Right. Yeah. And this big shuffle yeah. is, it's a realignment. It's exactly right. right. Uh, and anybody, uh, anybody who thinks that all the issues that we're struggling with can't wind up in a shooting war. Needs, needs uh, to read a history Well, they book. don't know their history. Uh, yeah. Look, there is a strong, and you, you guys probably know this, but I know the leader of one of the largest groups. There is a strong secessionist movement in California but it's from the left side. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, They're yeah, afraid yeah, yeah. that Trump is going <laughs> to yep. make us all conservative. They're mm-hmm. wanting to secede. Now, I, I say all the power to them. Amen. Uh, and, and so I know <laughs> Where can we go? <laughs> Where'd my headache go? What is the liberal media going to do when it's their side that talks secession? Right. See, they're always blasting conservatives in the South and yes. you guys seceded and all that kind of stuff. Well, now... Yeah. There are numerous groups. It's just not just in California. Mm. So you're exactly right, Doug. People are beginning to to fracture because what we have here, and I believe this with all of my heart, in America. Now I don't know that it's fifty fifty, but we have two two cultures that are irreconcilably divided. Right. We might as well admit that and avoid a shooting war, mm-hmm. and let's learn how to live together and allow them to be left. Oh, they won't let what? us. They, I understand. They won't even let us. Well, I understand, but yeah. see, there therein is the rub. Yeah. I'm trying to get pastors engaged so they can help the sorting out business <coughs> and then figure it out as we move along because one size no longer fits all. It never really did, yeah. but it certainly doesn't now. So mm. what, are you, what are people supposed to glean from your book in this process? What, what is it that... That I'm a brilliant author. <laughs> <laughs> What's the second thing that people are supposed to glean from right, That's the takeaway. He's going to lay down right next to me. This is why you write. every one of his books. No, yeah. With the sorting out happening, what... That's great. I want them to see... That it's not just history and, hey, this is cool. I want them to see that there was a time when the church, not just preachers, because the church was right there with them, that the church was the tip of the spear. 
And the church led out. The church was in the front. This is why the British called them the Black Regiment. Did you know that when recruiters for the Continental Army would go into the smaller towns and villages, rather than the recruiter recruiter trying to recruit soldiers for the Continental Army, he would go find a black robe preacher because he could recruit far more soldiers than the the actual some, recruiter some random well, recruiter. The name, That's exactly the just to throw, throw a few things in here. The, I just prefer the Presbyterian Revolt. <laughs> well, that's what that's what Horace Walpole on the floor of Parliament. That's exactly right. King George right. called right. The, the, our name for right. the War for Independence of the American Revolution. Yeah, and revolution meant something different then than yeah. it ah. means now. It didn't mean anarchy. It didn't mean anarchy. It was not bomb throwing thing. But the War for Independence was our name for it. Horace Walpole on the floor of Parliament called it the Presbyterian Revolt. Yeah, that's um, right. The um, and then uh, someone over there wrote a letter said Cousin America has run off of the Presbyterian. Well, that's what he said to Parliament. That's right. The, Horace that Walpole thing. said that's that he right. ran off with a Presbyterian parson. Speaking of Witherspoon, and they think he was talking about John Witherspoon. Oh, that's right. exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And then at, thanks, Dan, for going and, around the country and, and sharing <laughs> about Presbyterians. <laughs> I appreciate, so appreciate you, man. Yorktown. Well, so what happened? I'll just let's give a shout out to the Baptists here. What happened was. This was a courtesy the Presbyterians showed to the Baptists because the Baptists, there was a handful, Isaac um, Bacchus, ba- Bacchus. Yeah, Bacchus, there, there, Bacchus. There, yeah. there were men like that who were involved in it, but they just weren't. It wasn't that the Baptists were here and not engaged or were Tories. It's that very few of them. There's yeah. just a very yeah. handful. Yeah. And then after the war, um, the Presbyterians believed in classical education for their ministers, and they were targeted by the British. Their churches were targeted or s- turned into stables. Half the Continental Army was Presbyterians. Um, a, a bunch of the rest of them were Congregationalists from New England. Yeah, a handful of Baptists, and they were all Calvinists. That's the that's wow. the thing. at Yorktown. All of George Washington's colonels. He was a he was a low church Anglican. Um, Washington was, but all of his colonels, with one exception, were elders in Presbyterian churches. Wow. So what? The, so the the Presbyterians were exhausted. A bunch of their men were dead. Yeah. Their churches destroyed. They just had to do a lot of rebuilding. Yeah. Uh, then, right after the war in the Daniel Boone era, mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. that in the early the Jack, in the rise of Jacksonian democracy, when people started to flood over the Appalachian Mountains and head head west, that's where the Methodists and the Baptists came flooding yeah. in, and they're that's the exactly ones right. they're the ones who settled everything west of the Appalachians. Uh-huh. Right. And so yeah. Baptist America, Heartland America is the legacy of the Baptists post mm. post war. Mm. Yeah. Exactly and that's right. the second great awakening. And came second, out of, came yeah, out of all exactly that. Right. 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 Yes. Yeah. So so I got I got a question here to, to drive this back to pastors. <laughs> uh, hold on. Mm. You, you wanna... I'm probably going there too. I just this is fascinating to me. I'm learning I'm getting a history lesson. I, I feel like y'all are here for me. Um when I look at the church now, one of the things that I think about is the last thing I want from them is to lead some type of black robe regiment or yeah. some type of new. Like you mean like given the state of given the church. Given the state that we're at, looking <laughs> yeah. at the. We'd have to call it the Mickey Mouse t-shirt. <laughs> regiment. <laughs> regiment. <laughs> regiment. And $500 sneaker regiment. That's yeah. exactly right. We're in no state whatsoever it to. Make you pretty no. nervous. Yeah. yeah. I, well, let me tell you what I do believe, and I'm experiencing this uh, on the road, so to speak. Yeah. There is a remnant of guys who see it properly. They're even preaching it. They just don't know how. I don't mean they don't know how to preach. They don't know how to apply biblical principles to government. They, they suspect that you should. 
Uh-huh. They try to in their own way. Yeah. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find this remnant, and it doesn't matter what denomination, as long as they're orthodox. I'm trying to find these guys. I'm not trying to convince the knuckleheads and the hardheads that don't want to believe, they don't want to know, they don't know history, mm. they misunderstand Romans 13. I, we can do that later, and maybe never. <laughs> what I'm trying to find is that remnant that God always seems to work with, mm-hmm. who do kind of get it, and they're just trying to find ways to engage their faith into the culture war that is swallowing us alive. And I, I, I'm, I'm not fond of quoting Vladimir Lenin appreci- <laughs> appreciatively. <laughs> but Lenin said one time, and I think this is true, all you need is a committed 5%. Yeah, That's exactly right. Yeah. And I'm thinking too. But that the, wasn't yeah. in Sodom. What's that? That wasn't in Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, no, he yeah, didn't. Point oh one percent. He didn't have five percent. Yeah, yeah. God, no. God said, "I'll give you no. Sodom if you have five percent." <laughs> I'm wondering. Abraham got him down to ten, yeah. and God yeah. said, "If you can find ten, yeah. I won't burn the place." I mean, I don't he think couldn't it, even find ten. I'm thinking too, Chuck. I mean, I, I get your point, and like you know, Mickey Mouse shirts. You're right, and Joel Osteen, and all the rest of it is major problem. And at the same time, um, we're in a position where we're actually putting up a fight. I mean, it, it's yeah. messy. And it's not pretty, but I mean, there's, I mean, they're, they're actually afraid. I mean, you actually, I mean, the fact mm-hmm. that you have people actually afraid that abortion might be outlawed. Mm-hmm. They think the handmaid's tale is right around the corner. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, and yeah. it's, and it's all delirious in certain ways and, the, and twisted and slanderous. But my point is, I don't want to go back to the heartland thing. I mean, there's a reason why everybody's moving to the, you know, the flyover America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and why is it the flyover America still has this conservative holdout? Because they don't have TVs. Well, <laughs> I, I think so. My much. friend, that's not true. <laughs> they may not have a car that moves, but their house is mobile, and they have big screen televisions. I, I, I think, but I think there are tons of. I, I think it would be men like you're trying to find it, yeah. it, people who maybe don't haven't been well taught, don't exactly no, know how the Bible applies to yeah. politics and culture and so on, but they know that murdering babies in their mothers' wombs is it's wicked wrong. and evil. They they yeah. know that um, certain kinds of this this over sexuality bureaucratization and, of mm-hmm. the of the government and everything's over regulated and overtaxed and telling us what to do turning the IRS into the, Gestapo yeah, and all I mean, that kind of stuff they know we're being persecuted when yes. you know the baker's being told to bake the cake you bigot exactly you know, against your faith yeah. against your I mean, convictions and, and I think but I I think a lot of that goes back to um, faithful guys still in the pulpit. With the Bible and doing the best they can. That's exactly Try, right. Trying to apply the Bible to these things. So, so that brings me to my question. Okay. Um, <laughs> right, finally, finally, you are okay. out. I've been using my black so, <laughs> Does anybody else want to say anything before? I... <laughs> so you brought up P- Peter Mullenberg earlier, yeah. and of course, yeah. Peter Mullenberg inf- inf- infamously um, preached a sermon on Ecclesiastes chapter three. Yep. You know, there's a time, exactly. time for peace, time for everything. Yep. Verse eight. And yep. and then he after the sermon basically takes off his black robe and he's yep. got his infantry gear on colonel, and he, a he colonel's colonel colonel. gear yeah. and he takes a group of three hundred men out from his church to go fight in, in the war. Um, let, me, let me let me set that record straight. Yep. His church was a very small church made out of logs in yep. Woodstock, Virginia. Mm-hmm. He did lead a large number away, but they weren't all from his church. Yep. They were from the community yep. and all. Because yep. I had a guy call me on that one time. He said, "You've been saying that." Actually, I said, "No, yep. I haven't." He checked the record. and He said, "You know, you're right. It was someone else saying that." Yeah, right. I just. But I was just summarizing. I was shorthanding. I was shorthanding the situation. But someone may say, "Hey, he's 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 making Bloomberg bigger than life." And and so my question actually is for you, Doug. I hear that. I hear that. I hear that. That story. 
And I grew up in the South where 4th of July is a, a place of idolatry right? in the South. You, yeah. you, you know, you got flags up in the churches, everyone singing America the Beautiful Jeffrey, in, in yeah. church, yeah. you know, all that stuff. And so it, it makes me a little nervous for a pastor to kind of make that connection with his congregation. And then, you know, th- that week he goes out with a, leading a bunch of troops into, into battle. Right. Um, so um, my, my question is, <laughs> would you do that or, or how would you go about um, – uh, teaching your people, engaging in politics, or even engaging in battle. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing happened in the war between the states. An Anglican clergyman named Leonidas Polk did the same thing. Preached yep. the sermon, took his robes off, yep. and was a general and went off. Um, I there was an early. It's, I think this is North Carolina, um, and I I would apply the same thing to the military. I think the clergymen have a high office that they must not. Um, step down from mm-hmm. the, unless they're disqualified or, or otherwise I think they have a high office I don't think they should go into politics proper and in North Carolina they had a law for a time where in order to hold office you had to be a Trinitarian Christian mm-hmm. you, you, had to be a, wow. you had to be a Trinitarian Christian to what hold office role. at all and you could not be an ordained minister Interesting. Be, um, so they, they had a, a sharp view of separation of church and state but that's a very different thing than the separation of God and state or the separation of morality and state or the separation of Because they had both of those at the same time. Yeah. You had right. to be a Trinitarian right. Christian. Yeah, yeah. And, and let Correct. me also add, these men that we call the Black Robe Regiment were not trying to establish a theocracy. Mm-hmm. They knew the damage that that could do. They'd seen it in England. Mm-hmm. So they knew that. They were not trying to put the church literally right. in, in and by, control and by that, of you, the government. You mean the church running the state. That's exactly yeah. right. That's yeah. what you yeah. mean. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. right. Yeah. The other thing to keep in mind, and this is uh, every, everything's crucial. <laughs> <laughs> this is so, so crucial. Wow. So when the Constitution was adopted and they prohibited a, uh, an established church, they were prohibiting a church of the United States, yeah. the way you had a, a church. federal of, government, right. federal church. government church, like, yeah. like the Church of England, like the Church of England yeah. and the Church of Denmark. Yeah. What well, the standard operating procedure in Europe had been? They said we don't want to do this, right? N- not because they were establishing a secular republic, but because they were establishing a republic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the republic, on the on the at the time the Constitution was adopted, nine of the thirteen, 13 colonies. colonies yeah had established state they churches at the, at the state level. Right. Yeah. Congregational church in Connecticut. Well, Rome. Connecticut, okay. it was stayed that way down to the 1830s. Yeah. All right, so there was absolutely... Now, I don't think it's a good idea to have an established church at the state level. I'm, a, I'm against it as a matter of policy. But it wouldn't be unconstitutional. No. Right. And it, that's it, why it says Congress shall make no law. law. Right. Congress, right. they were the, limiting the, the federal only, government. Yeah, yeah. The only entity that could violate the First Amendment is Congress. That's right. <laughs> Congress shall make no law. Right. And so what, what, happened, what happened there was if you had the national bird is the bald eagle and all the states have state birds, you're not going to have a war over that. If you have a national flower and a state flower, there's not going to be a war. If you have the Church of the United States and it's Episcopal and you have the Church of maryland and it's presbyterian or you know you yeah. or, or war is going to eventually yeah. happen. Or, or some Rhode Island yeah. is baptist yeah. Or yeah. 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 correct you, right. at some time you're going you're just asking for it you baptize right. the babies <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you constantine <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so basically they they were saying uh they were saying we don't want a federal church because we're a federation of states it's constitutional 
to have a, a, an established religion at the state level, but it's also constitutional to not have one. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, and, and so I would prefer that, mm. but even preferring that, not having an established tax supported church, right. um, it's nonsensical to adopt secularism. Yeah. The state cannot be neutral on what is up and down. They can't be neutral on what's righteous and unrighteous. Yeah, they can't be exactly. neutral on what God says about killing people, killing babies, kill, you know, yeah. uh, the marriage between a man and a woman and so on. Right. So, so my, I feel like yeah, a politician. You dodged my question. Um, <laughs> I, I asked. How should a pa- Thank you. How, how should, <laughs> he does it all the time. How, how should a pastor um, instruct his congregation when, you know, we got um, babies are being killed in our state, 1,400 babies a year. Um, we have, you know, gay marriage. We have all these cultural things that um, we're overtaxed. We're being oppressed by our government in a lot of ways. How should a pastor right now in our time be instructing his church how to engage in politics? Well, your your question was about taking off the robe and having a uniform, and I'm against that. I yeah. don't, I don't yeah. think so. Don't, I think don't, I did don't go answer, back to my I, original I, question. I, 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 <laughs> I did think I answered that one. The one that was in my head, you didn't answer. Uh, in, or in my heart. Or so this is critical. <laughs> so um, w- the thing that when the Apostle Paul got to Rome. How much immorality was going on in Rome at yeah. that time? Yeah, right. Gorgs. <laughs> you know, yeah. Piles. So, so you have Ephesus was, yeah, um, yeah it, right. the whole thing is, and Corinth, Corinth was worse, and mm-hmm. and so you have the gladiatorial games, and there's not one reference to the gladiatorial games mm-hmm. in the Book of Romans. He's not circulating petitions. He's playing the long game. Yeah. Now the thing, right. the, the, um, the reason I think that we're not playing as long a game as the Apostle Paul is that he had to build churches, plant churches for three hundred years before the Roman Empire collapsed. We have millions of Christians right. on the ground already. We have tens of thousands of churches on the ground already. Yeah. And what what we need is a revival in the established exactly. in the established exactly. Christian wow. churches. Yeah. Once yeah. we have the revival, once there's a great reformation and revival in the churches we already have, then we can talk about going out. Jesus says you don't go out to war until you count your troops. You don't build a tower until you exactly uh, right. ask how much money you've got. Yeah. So we need to we need to shore up our resources. Write books like yours, well, circulate it, them. But also remember, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but no, also it. remember that we also have this history. Mm-hmm. We do have the Christians, but if you go back to the very beginning, we were clearly, undeniably founded on Judeo-Christian principle, biblical principle, even though not all of them were Bible-toting, born-again believers. I'm not going to make that argument. So we also have the history. We have the heritage. And these states, there were 13, obviously, in the beginning, were almost different cultures in a way. Mm -hmm. If you didn't like the culture of Pennsylvania, you had 12 others to choose from, and that's the way they saw it. So they were sovereign. In fact, even up to the war between the states. People would call their state their country. Robert E. Lee said that he could not draw his sword against his own country. He was referring to Virginia. Mm-hmm. Love him or hate him, yeah. that concept was still there. Mm-hmm. They saw their country, i.e. state, yeah. as a part of a union or a compact yeah. of sovereign countries or states. Yeah. Right. And the federal government had certain jurisdiction. They thought clearly delineated. When you read Federalist 45, Madison makes it very, very clear how they saw the the authority of the federal government uh-huh. as opposed to the sovereign states. Mm-hmm. And he basically says the federal government is over everything that deals with foreign, you know, Affairs whether it's tariffs, yeah. treaties, uh-huh. war, all that kind of stuff. But the states are 
in authority over everything that touches people's everyday normal lives and everything that's involved there. Breathe. Okay. <laughs> no, we're finishing. Uh, he, he, let's keep that up. I'm on my way. I love you. All right. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. If you have kids, go baptize them. I'm about to go have another one. I'll see you guys next week. Pray for a brother. Tell me you will, we already won Get in the sin and get demons to run I don't believe it cause we got the sun Too many people, we gotta hear some That's why we fight, laugh, feast Yeah, we fight, laugh, feast That's why we fight, laugh, feast Yeah, we fight, laugh,